This is a free download from Delancey Elam Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Elam Church building at Le Bank St. Sampson's in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. Now, last week, I said there was two words I felt God had laid on my heart this coming year. The first word we looked at last week, which was awareness. Just living and just becoming aware of really being aware of God, but also being aware of the things that surround us, aware of what the enemy or the spiritual force is, also aware of the, of, the, of the state of the nation, the state of the island, and just that awareness in our lives. And so often one of the big battles I think we do struggle with, and the big thing that we do struggle with, is a sense of comfortability. We can so easily give to a comfortable kind of lifestyle, to be, to be comfortable and, and live in comfortability. And it's almost the, the word of, of, I think, of our generation, you know, take ease, everything be at ease, take ease, don't worry about anything, to be at ease. Now, not you should worry about anything, but I mean this sense of easiness and being comfortable. And so we need to kind of shake all that stuff off and, and just rise up and be strong and, be, and live in a, a spiritual awareness Second word that I want us to think about this morning is I called, the, I called it separation. Living a life that's just separated, and what I mean by that is, is living a life that's just fully and completely given to God to achieve all that He's got for us this year. I want to, I want to tell, a, I want to read a story really from that kind of emphasises this. It's two Kings nine, and I called the right, if you like, the word this morning, Jehu rides. Let Jehu ride. I want to talk about a character called Jehu. Have you ever heard of Jehu? Have you ever heard of him? Oh, okay, that doesn't matter. But you find this story in 2 Kings chapter 9. And we're going to look at this. He's an amazing guy, Jehu, in chapter 9. I'm just going to read a few verses. 2 Kings chapter 9 and 1 to 9. The story of Jehu. And it came to pass when Solomon... Sorry, I'm reading one king. Sorry. sorry. Two kings, nine. Just You will let me do it. Okay, two kings, chapter nine. Two kings, two kings. And Elisha the prophet called one of the sons of the prophets and said to him, Get yourself ready. Take this flask of oil in your hand and go to Ramoth Gilead. Now, when you arrive at that place, look there for Jehu, the son of Jehoshaphat, the son of Nishi. I'm glad for those words. <laughs> and go in and make him, and rise up from among his associates, and make him go into the inner room. Then take a flask of oil, pour it on his head, and say, Thus says the Lord, I have anointed you king over Israel. Then open the door and flee, and do not delay. That's good advice, actually. <laughs> So the young man, the servant of the prophet, went to Ramath Gilead. And when he arrived there, were the captains of the army sitting. And he said, I have a message for you, commander. Jehu said, for which one of us? And he said, for you, commander. And when he arose and went into the house, he poured the oil on his head and said to him, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I have anointed you king over the people of the, over the Lord of Israel. You shall strike down the house of Ahab, your master, that I may avenge the blood of my servants, the prophets, and the blood of all the servants of the Lord at the hand of Jezebel. 
For the whole house of Ahab shall perish, and I will cut off Ahab and all the males in Israel, both, both bond and free. So I will make the house of Ahab like the house of Jeroboam, and the son of Nebat, and the house of Basha, and the son of Elijah. Okay, we'll leave it there. <laughs> Otherwise, I'll, I'll, run out of, I'll run out of spit, I think. No, no I'm right. Uh, so here's this story of Jehu, and I just want you to get a hold of, of this story. Really, he was raised up, if I use this word, to, to tear down the corruption that was in the land. This was, if you, look, if you look at this time in Israel's history, it was a dark time in Israel's history. The house of Ahab and Jezebel had gripped the, the land. There was a spirit of idolatry and perversion and wickedness. And we're told that a prophet is sent to Jehu to, to anoint him. And he received this direct, man, this direct mandate. It's to dethrone the house of Ahab and establish righteousness in the land. And so here's this amazing guy, Jehu, with the fear of the Lord and, and boldness and fire and zealous passion that burned in his soul. In fact, I haven't got time to look at it, but if you go down, I think it's to, 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 to one of the verses, verse later on, he says he got in his chariot and, it, and he's pictured with his sense of zeal and passion by driving his chariot to pull down everything that opposes the will and purpose of God. So this incredible zeal and passion that's burning his heart for, for, for God's righteousness to be established back in the land and, and for it to take place again. And so he, he rides his chariot to really establish the righteousness of God. How many would, if, if we're really honest, well, I'm, kind of, I'm in my mid-50s now. That's frightening to admit, isn't it? And I would actually, and I'm not just saying this as a kind of thing to say, but I think, I think if I'm honest, there's probably, I've never seen such days of darkness. In the, the days, how many would feel that? Some of you are a bit older. We're living in days of just, just incredible darkness. There's violence and anger and pain and, and lust and, and humanism. There's the influence of it seems to be growing stronger day by day. And often the standards of holiness and purity, even in the church itself, has often fallen to an all-time low. I just feel in this day that Isaiah prophesied that there would be a day that deep darkness would, would cover the earth. But there's an incredible promise connected to that. This isn't sort of to depress us, it's actually to encourage us. Because the Bible says, even though deep darkness is over the earth and we're seeing it cover the earth and flowing in all kinds of ways, God says, but I will cause my glory to rise upon you. So here's what you need to see. That in the midst of deep darkness, in the midst of a, of a society, and often the, even the church itself pulling away from from, from, from the heart and the purposes of God. God says, actually, you're the answer. That's what he's saying. He's saying. He's saying, you're the answer to this darkness. Instead of just kind of allowing the darkness to grow and flow, he says, you're the answer to the darkness. Because I'm going to cause my glory to come upon you. And because my glory is going to come upon you, you are going to be the answer. And really, that's always been God's answer. God's answer has never been some clever program or some clever method. God's answer to the darkness has always been for people who are filled with passion 
and zeal for the Most High God will be the answer to push back and drive back the darkness. Can you say that? Can you say amen? In other words, God is seeking to rise up Jehus that become the answer to the darkness. I love verse 16 of chapter 10. It again talks of Jehu, but I haven't got time to go into it. But what an incredible thing he says. Verse 10, verse 16. He says, Come with me and see the zeal and see my zeal for the Lord. Isn't that powerful? Come with me and see how zealous, how on fire, how passionate I am for God. He was the answer to that generation because of the the zeal and the passion he had for God. In other words, we've got to kind of shake off passivity. We've got to shake off apathy. We've got to shake off half-heartedness. We've got to shake off indifference and be passionate for God so that we become the answer to the darkness. So we become people that are just shining with the light and bursting forth with the glory and the awesomeness of his presence, believing that we are the answer to the darkness. Can you say amen? In other words, we are separated to be the answer. We're separated to be God's answer into this generation. How do we live that kind of life? How do we be separated? How do we become the answer? I just want to give you a few keys, really, from this, from this story of how we can be the keys, how we can live that life that, is, that makes a difference to our age and the world in which we live. Here's the first thing you find in verse 6. Then he arose and he poured the oil of his head and said to him, the Lord God of Israel. In other words, the first key was this. He was anointed. He was anointed. I found this. God doesn't use people because they are something special. He doesn't even use people because of some great ability or great talent. He doesn't use people because he has any favourites. He uses people who have touched God and God has touched them. Can you see that? In other words, the thing that we really need today is we need the anointing. If you want to see your dreams fulfilled, if you want to fulfill your purpose, if you want to be effective for God, if you want to make a difference, then the key is going to be that you need to be anointed. You need to be a person on whom the anointing is found. I think that's the answer. I think every need is met in the anointing. Every breakthrough that we need is found in the anointing. Everything that we need to achieve for God is found in the anointing. It's the anointing. Jesus said to his disciples, called them to go into all the world and they did all that they did because the Bible says the Lord was the Lord worked with them. In other words they only did what they were able to do because the anointing of God was on them. They were, they were men under anointing and it was the anointing that enabled them to do all they were called to do. Say amen. 
The anointing. What is the anointing? I think the anointing is the presence and the power of God manifested. Now, God is omnipresent and God is everywhere. Is that right? There's nowhere you can ever go. The darkest places of the earth, God's there. But he's not manifested everywhere. Although he's omnipresent everywhere, his manifestation isn't everywhere. And the anointing is the manifestation of God. I like to call it the the signature of God. It's God's finger on your life. It's God's putting his finger on his life. It's God's putting his signature on you. Let me put it another way. The actual word means to smear. During these great summer months, you're all there smearing yourself with oil. Is that right? All the suntan stuff. Suntan oil. You know what you were doing? You were anointing yourself with oil. That's what the word means. It means to smear. So what anointing is, it's actually God smearing you with his presence. In other words, it's God on flesh doing what only God can do. Isn't that powerful? God on flesh doing what only God could do. And I don't believe with all my heart that we can do anything according to the scriptures that brings satisfaction to the heart of God unless it is done by the touch of God. Unless what we do, whatever that work is, whatever God has called us to do, unless that is done by the touch of God, it brings no satisfaction to the heart of God. That's why we need the anointing of God. Do you know the word Christ is not Jesus' second name? The word Christ means the anointed one. Jesus the anointed one. Jesus the Christ. And 63 times in the New Testament Paul declares that the the only way we're able to do all that we're called to do is because of Christ in us. In other words, it's the Christ and his anointing in us. Paul says, I can do all things through Christ. Through Christ, the anointed one, and his anointing enables me to do all that he has called me to do. Can you say amen? In fact, the Bible says, Jesus, the anointed one, Jesus, the Christ, is the same today, yesterday. He's never changed. What he was able to do 2,000 years ago, he's able to do today because he's still anointed. We never, never should ever lose sight. He's still the anointed one. And he's the anointed one and his anointing is in me. Can you say amen? Anointing is God equipping you empowering you supernaturally to do what he has called you to do. Whatever he's called you to do, he anoints you to do it. What he appoints, he anoints. If you're called to be a worship leader, a musician, God anoints for that. Whether it be children, whatever it is God has called you to do, he anoints you to do it. 
He empowers you. He endures you to do what you could not normally naturally do. In other words, people can do things naturally, but there's no anointing on it. How many have ever sensed that? In other words, it doesn't bring a manifestation of God's presence. But when the anointing is on it, something awesome and something powerful happens. And here's what you to see. Every one of us can have the anointing. Because every one of us is called to do something. Can you say amen? And every one of us can have the anointing. It's all a matter of desire. It's all a matter of hunger. It's all a matter of yielding to the Spirit of God. And as we are hungry, as we are desirous, as we yield to the Spirit of God, His anointing will be powerfully and mightily upon us. Can you say Amen? And it's those kind of vessels that God says, I'm going to set you apart and I'm going to anoint you and I'm going to anoint you to send you into whatever sphere I've called you to to do what I have called you to do. And here's what you find. When it's anointed, there is no natural explanation to what you're doing. Someone once said this, I've never forgotten this, he says, you know, all of us really should have a supernatural, should have a, all of us should have a supernatural explanation for who we are and what we do. In other words, there's no explanation unless it's God. No one can explain it. You can't naturally explain what you're doing because it's anointed. Because it's the hand, the finger of God in you and upon you that's enabling you to do it. Can you say amen? How many of you have found that? You look back and think, how did I come through that? How did I do that? How did I achieve that? It was the finger, the anointing, the Christ in you that enabled you to do it. And you would say this year we need more anointing. We need greater. And, and the more hungry we are, the more desirous we are, the more something in us says, God, I want anointing. I refuse. I'm, I, I want to live this year anointed of you. So I can achieve all that you've called me to achieve. Can you say amen? Here's the second thing. I better stop there, otherwise I'm going to go into that one too much. But here's the second one. Verse 2 says that, it says, Now, when you arrive at the place, look for Jehu and make him rise up, sorry, and go in and take him into the inner room. That's the second thing. Into the inner room. The inner room, right there. In other words, he said, I've got, I've got something to give to you. I've got a mission, purpose, something I want you to do, but you need to go to the inner room to do it. That's where you're going to receive it, right there, in the ever room. In other words, I think the inner room is a picture of the place of prayer. And to really separate ourselves means that we've got to give ourselves to prayer. I think God's looking for men and women who are just going to embrace the prayer life. Can you say amen? I think there's certain anointings, certain levels of presence of God that you're never going to find unless you find it in the inner room. Unless you find it in the secret place. Unless you find it in the place of prayer. And there's no other time 
then this is the time when we need to rise up and pray. We need to get into the inner room. We need to be a people that, that commit ourselves to pray. Because it's only there we're going to receive from things that we need to receive from God. People who are committed to seek his face and pray. I think one of the greatest attacks the enemy does is to pull away people's prayer life. I don't think we're ever going to achieve anything for God unless we have a personal history with God. Unless we commit ourselves personally to the secret place of pray. I think the first thing in the morning is probably the best time to do it. David says, early in the morning I will seek you. Give those first 50, 20 minutes of the day to God. Say, God, I'm seeking your face. The psalmist says, seek my face. And the psalmist says, your face I will seek. That's what God wants. If we're to really push back this darkness, if we're to really be the answer, if we're to really make a difference in our world, this is where it begins, right there on our knees. If you want to change what's outwardly around, if you want to change the outward circumstances, it goes down to what really happens to you privately, in your own private time with God, in your own history with God. That's where it really begins. You might say, well, I'm too busy. I haven't got time to pray. You know, when you think about that, it's all down to priorities. What are, you, what are, what are your priorities? What do you prioritise in your life? Because you think about it, if I'm too busy to pray, that means that actually God's agenda for my life is not really a priority. And we would see that. This is where it begins. God, this year, I'm going to spend time in the secret place. I'm going to go into the inner place. And I'm going to seek you. I'm going to spend time in your presence. Because I know that's where the answer lies. It really does. Honestly, that's where the answer really lies. It really, really does. That's where, it, that's where God just does such, such awesome things. When you're full of hurt and pain and wounds, and you pour your heart out to God, and you're broken, and it's right there in that inner place where God begins to heal, and begins to heal the wounds. I can, I can tell you many times when I've come to God with wounds and hurts and pains, and right there, felt his healing touch right there in the secret place. And he can do it for you. Can you say amen? The secret place of seeking God. Here's the next thing. This is in verse 2. The secret place, the place of anointing, is the place where he will rise up. I love that. He will rise up. To be separate means I rise up and I stand out and I'm different to everyone around me. You know what, today, this morning it was, this is a weird illustration, but it caused me so much hassle, I thought I'd got to use it somehow. My hair, I just couldn't get my hair down. Put water on it, still wouldn't go down. I put gel on it, and everything I did, is it still up, has it come back up now? No, I don't know. I just did everything I could to keep my hair down. I just I did everything. And, you, I just, and the worst thing is when you have bits of hair sticking up. A part of me, down, and no matter what you do, it looks really stupid. And for absolutely ages, I was trying to push my hair down, everything I could do to push my hair down. Now, that's a weird illustration, but I want to use it because it caused me so much hassle this one. But the point is, 
There's so many things in life that are trying to push us down and hold us down. That they want us to conform to all that's around us. And I think what God's looking for in this day, that people are going to kind of rise up and say, I refuse to do what everybody else is doing. I'm going to build a prayer life. I'm going to let God do a deeper work in my life. I'm going to press into to a holy, passionate life for God. I'm going to step up and be different. See, here's the point. You can never be a difference if you're the same as everybody else. Is that right? How can I make a difference if I'm part of the problem rather than part of the solution? And I've got to rise up and say, I'm going to be different. I'm going to be different in my attitudes. I'm going to be different in my lifestyles. I'm going to be different in my conversations. I'm going to be different. Everything about me is going to be different. I'm not talking about being weird, amen? I'm talking about being different. I'm talking about standing up and standing out with all the things rising against us. And make a decision this year that you're going to stand up and you're going to be so different to everyone around you. You're going to so stand out, people are going to see your light shining out. You're not going to moan and groan like everybody else does. You're going to have a different type of attitude. Your conversation will be different to everyone else. Your attitude is going to be different to everybody else. Your lifestyle is going to be different. You're just going to so shine out because you're rising up and standing up in this day. Amen. Can you say amen? I want you to say the next thing was, I think this rising up means also to rise up on the inside. Love the story of little Johnny. Kept standing up in church. Remember his parents? Kept, sit down, stood up, sit down, stand up, sit down. And in the end, the mother grabbed him, held him down and said, Johnny, you are sitting down and you're not moving. And he said to her, I may be sitting down on the outside, but on the inside I'm standing up. And often we can be like, that's what God wants. God wants to stir us up on the inside. I believe that's what the Holy Spirit does. He, he stirs us. The Holy Spirit stirs us up. Jesus says, I only do what I see the Father doing. I respond to the initiatives of the Father. I don't do my own thing. I respond to the initiative, initiatives of the Father. I only, I only say what he tells me to say, and I only do the works he tells me to do. The Father initiates it, I respond to it. And that's really the Christian life. We respond to the stirrings of God. God might tell you to go and bless someone in some way. might be a gift. You might say to you this morning, go and give Pastor John £250. Amen. No, I'm only joking. <laughs> but, you know, he might say to you to bless someone in some way. He might say to you, yeah, Lottie says amen today. He says, yeah, I agree. Uh, or, or it might be to, to, to write someone a word of encouragement. It might be to phone someone. It might be to go and witness to someone. Whatever it is, the Spirit of God stirs you and what he's looking for is people who respond to his stirrings. They say, God, I'm going to go and bless that person because even though it seems so ridiculous, I feel you've stirred me to do it. I feel you've stirred me to go and see that person. I feel you've stirred me to write a word of encouragement to that person or, or phone them up and bless them in some way. I'm, I'm, I'm submitting my life to the stirrings and the moving to the Spirit. And the more you do it, the more God will use you. The, God, the more God will stir you. What's the point of him stirring you if you don't respond to it? Can you say amen? 
He stirs you, and the more you respond to it, the more you begin to be more sensitive to the stirrings and the moving to the Spirit. It's every time you respond. How many have found that? You respond to God, and then you get something else, and something else, and something else. Because as the stirrings of God work within you, what happens? You rise up. Something in you causes you to rise up and to stand up. There's the next thing. He received a fresh word from the Lord. He was given this word. Word from God. A word of, of declaration of what God wanted him to do. And I really believe with all my heart if what God wants this coming year is for you to receive fresh word from him. Amen? We can't live off yesterday's word. We can't live off yesterday's experience. We can't live off yesterday's reputation. You know, five years ago I did this, or five years ago I did that. You can't live off yesterday's experience. You can't live off yesterday's reputation. You can't live off yesterday's word. You need a fresh word today. And it's that fresh word that you receive that will equip you, that will send you, stir you, that will move you to do something amazing for God. I think it's true to say one word from God will change your life from ever. One word. Just one word. And God wants to speak to you for this coming year a now Rima word. See, one of the big things today is unbelief. How many found that? How do you live a life of faith? The Bible says, faith comes by what? Hearing. And hearing by The word of God. The now word of God. So if I'm not receiving a now word of God, I'm going to be limited in my faith because faith really comes from hearing God speak. Hearing him speak his word into my heart, impacting my heart to such a degree, I believe what he says. Can you say amen? Now the word he received was twofold in its application. His word was, number one, you're going to be a king. I'm anointing you to be a king. The word received was a word of rulership. A word to be king. In other words, it was a word of identity. And one of the words that God wants to speak to you is a word to really help you see who you really are. I think there's so many negative words, so many destructive words that that can often bind us in life. But when God speaks, it's a word that tells you who you truly are. He told this man he was a king. You know what God says to you? You're a king. King and priest. Isn't that wonderful? In other words, Romans 5.18 says that we, we are called to reign in life. In other words, to reign over the circumstances of life. To reign over the challenges of life. That's what we're called to do. God's called us to be a king that rules and reigns. If I'm under the control of fear and worry and condemnation and guilt, if all these things rule me and control me, that means I'm not ruling in life. I'm not living out the position that God has called me to live. I'm called to rule and reign over those things. I'm called to rule and reign over fear. I'm called to rule and reign over the the things of this world. That's the position we're called to. We're called into a place of reigning. 
You see, you have a territory that God says, that territory is the place you reign over. Your own personal life. You're called to reign over your personal life. Your family life. You're, you're meant to reign in that life of family. In that sphere of God, where God has placed you. That's the place that he's called you to reign. To bring his influence. To bring the atmosphere of heaven into those areas of darkness where you are. Because you and I are called to a place of authority. Called to a place to reign. But you'll never reign over those things until you see that's what you're called to do. If you don't really believe you're a king, those things will always rule over you. Because you've never stood, stood that you're called to reign. Instead of letting those things reign over you, it's time to rise up and say, God, I'm called to be a king. I refuse to, to allow those things to control my life anymore. I refuse my life to be controlled and bound by it shouldn't be. God's called you to be a king to reign. That's your identity. You need to see more and more who you are in Christ. Your identity will, will burst in your life. And you say, I'm a child of God. I'm more than a conqueror, as Paul says. And you think of all the things that tells you that you are more than conquerors over. Loads of things. Principalities, powers, things to come, future, past. More than conquerors through him that loves us. Can you say amen? So the word that God wants to speak word to remind you who you really are in God. And that needs to work in us so much, more and more. We need to say, God, this is who I am in you. It's not what people say about me. That's not who I am. Not what my circumstances say about me. That's not who I am. I am who you say I am. Amen. Second thing is he spoke to him was a purpose. This is what you are to do. You are to pull down the house of Jezebel and Ahab. You're to pull the house down. You're to destroy it. You're to remove it. That's your purpose. That's your mandate. And I think one of the, one of the things that happens when God speaks to you and shows you purpose, you begin to see clearly who you're meant to be. I felt today as I kind of had a picture of, of people who are in a fog almost, like a fog over them. And they can't quite clearly see what they're meant to do in life, because there's this fog over them. It's like clouding their, their purpose in life. And I felt God wants to lift that cloud, that fog off your life, amen? And he wants to give you clarity of your purpose, of what you are meant to be and what you are meant to do. Isn't it wonderful to have clarity? To clearly see what God has called me to be and what he's called me to do. You know when that happens? Doesn't, isn't that an amazing thing to happen? To go through life with a clarity, with a purpose, to know in your heart, with, with clarity, the purpose that God has for you. And here's the point. You'll never know it unless God speaks it to you. When God speaks it to you, it becomes clear, absolute, sheer clarity, what his purpose is for your life. Almost done. But here's the, the other things here. I want to see this. Uh, he's anointed for war. That's the thing God anointed. He's anointed for war. Anointed for war. I just felt so often, one of, the, one, of the, uh, one of the way God wants to anoint us is that this coming year, that we would have what I call breaker anointings. That we would break through the areas of resistance. 
those areas of resistance, those areas that have dogged our lives and our, and our situations for, for, for a long time, God wants to bring breakthrough. God wants to bring breakthrough. Supernatural breakthrough. Supernatural happenings. Shiftings of atmospheres. Because we're anointed, not just to be comfortable, but we're anointed for war. To enforce the victory of Jesus. Can you say amen? It's interesting. Let me just share this. It's interesting. The word Jehu means Jehovah is powerful, mighty and strong. I love it. So in other words, God equips us, anoints us. We go into the secret place. We stand up for him. Because God has called us to be powerful, mighty and strong. That's what God speaks over your life. You're mighty. You're powerful. You're strong. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So he's called us to live that kind of life. Get a hold of this. The word Ahab means one who provokes. He provoked, if you like, God's anger. Ahab, Ahab was passive man. And because he was passive... He was not able to fulfill all that God called him to fulfill. He came into compromise. He came under the influence of Jezebel, which destroyed him, his whole house. The whole nation was was affected because of his passiveness. And I found this, and I want you to get a hold of this. It's a clear word. God wants you to be mighty and strong. He doesn't want you to be a person of passivity. Because if we're passive, things are just going to take over us and control us. If we're passive, things are going to bind us. If we're passive, we compromise. If we're passive, we don't achieve all that God has, we don't achieve our destiny. In other words, there's a war going on. And sometimes we've got to be anointed to, to, to not to bow down, to, to rise up and to stand up. And say, God, I'm going to press through because I'm going to be all that you've called me to be. I'm not going to bow down to passivity. To allow other things to control me. To allow other things to rule over me. To compromise. To allow the values of this world to take over my heart and life. I'm rising up and you say, Amen. And there's the last thing. The Bible says in down in verse, I can find that verse, but it's that verse in verse 14. So verse 16. So Jehu rode in a chariot, went to Jezreel. In other words, he got up and he responded and he did, did something. I think one of the things, why is it that at times don't we rise up? Why is it don't we choose to chase and, and go after an anointed life and a, a prayer life. I think there is. Because so often we battle with a sense of insignificance. We don't really feel that what we do is significant. We don't really feel what we do make a difference. And so the enemy often deceives us by making us feel insignificant. And what we do seems insignificant. 
I think I showed this video, video many years ago. Remember that video of, of the starfish? Do you remember I showed that? Do you remember that here? It's a starfish, and this boy is throwing starfish into the sea. Remember that? Just all these starfish from the water. Just thousands of starfish on the beach. And this guy's picking up these starfish, and he's throwing them in the water. And this man comes along and says, you know what, there's thousands and thousands of starfish. What difference are you making? And he picks up that starfish and he says, it makes a difference to this. <laughs> and that's the one to get a hold of. For everything we do for God, no matter how small it even appears, has incredible significance in the kingdom. It's significant. Whatever God has called you, whatever sphere he's placed you to be and do, he says, it is significant. Really in life is come and say, God, I separate myself by giving myself fully to you. As he rode in that chariot to really, if I fully give himself to the purpose of God, I think above all else, what we really need when it comes, the bottom line is this. We just simply give ourselves totally and fully to God. The Bible says God is an all-consuming fire. He consumes everything. In other words, everything you give to God, he'll consume. He'll take everything of your life if you give it to him. And that's what he wants. He wants all of your life. He wants all that you are. Everything you do, everything you are, he wants everything. Because a fire in its nature consumes everything. Many, many years ago, I remember, I turned over a minibus. Remember that? Callis was there in the front row. She was in the front row. And she was there. And I was there was another guy right there at the back. And I could see smoke. I, said, I could see smoke coming out of the car. And this guy just sat there. I think Callis, I managed to get you the, the, the door. Although he's coming, but anyway, I got you out the door. And this guy just sat there. Just sat there. It's just like he was on a beach. He was just sitting there. I could smell smoke. Out, coming out of the engine and I could smell all this smoke and all this diesel coming out and I was just trying to get him out you know, and he was just ah, just resting there and you kind of have this picture of what happened if that thing caught a blaze caught fire thankfully the, the emergency service are very quick and they put all this stuff on and doubted anything of the smoke and everything was all doubted but you know what if a fire had got a hold of that minibus he wouldn't have said I tell you what I won't burn that stereo unit that's quite nice that stereo or I won't burn the seats because they're quite nice. The nature of fire, it consumes absolutely everything. Is that right? And that's what our lives are. We say, God, you are an all-consuming fire. And at the beginning of this year, I give myself unreservedly everything I am, everything I have, I just give myself fully to you. Everything I have, I just give to you. You know what God will do? He'll take it. And I want you to see something. This is not some morbid, oh, I'm going to give my life to you. This is, so, no, this is not a morbid thing. This is an incredible, joyful, exuberating thing to do. Because when love grips your heart, that's how you respond. Is that right? You say, God, everything I am, I say, come and let your fire consume. Consume it all. Burn your fire in my heart so I can burn brightly for you as never before in this dark world. Let's just come before him right now in these moments.
Let's just pray as we come before him. We're going to, so we're going to move right now into, into, a, into a time we just want to anoint people. But we always want you to see that as we open our hearts and say, God, I need your anointing. So there's a, a hunger in your heart. You just recognize your need. You need to be anointed. You just sense you need his anointing. You're just going to run and say, God, I, this year is going to be a year where I'm just going to spend more time in the secret place, praying, seeking you. I'm going to stand, be different to everything and everyone around me. I'm going to be ready and anointed for war. I'm going to open my heart and receive a word what you want to speak to me, my identity, my purpose. And then I'm going to run out in your charity, if you like, and accomplish all that you've called me to do. So let's spend these few moments, let's get our hearts ready, because we want to anoint people, but we want it to be a powerful anointing, amen? Something that will just powerfully fall on you as you open your heart. And in a sense, this is a consecration service, really. Because we are consecrating ourselves a fresh and anew to God for this coming year. We're saying, God, all that I am and all that I have right now, I give to you. And I do it joyfully. I do it with an exuberant desire because of your incredible love that's poured into my heart right now. And when I receive that anointing, God, Lord, I'm going to receive it as a sign as a, for you to equip me and empower me for this coming year. To live a life that's so different. To, to be empowered by you in a fresh way. Thank you for listening to this free download from Delancey Eden Church. For more downloads, information or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceyeden.co.uk.